0: What's happening, weirdos? This is Rob Lowe. What a thrill. Had never met him, never talked to him, and we just got along great and had a really wonderful chat that I want to get to as quickly as possible. If I sound tired, uh, we've been taking care of old sweet... uh, old? She's a baby. Two-year-old sweet baby Lee, and uh, it's 8 o'clock on Tuesday. So yeah, I'm going to be in bed in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm excited for you guys to hear this. This episode, as all of our episodes are, is brought to us by our friends at Charlotte's Web, purveyors and manufacturers of the finest CBD products I've found. Go to slash weird and use promo code KeepItCrispy19. Get yourself some calm gummies. These are my those are my calm gummies right here on the desk. I think we could all use a little bit of calm. Right now, it's also brought to us by. This is a new Pete's pick, relatively new. Living Libations, my favorite and uh, the best skincare products I've ever found in my life. But when you say skincare, usually this means some weird, toxic, sewage chemical concoction that you put on your skin. It is not that. This is natural, wonderful, and completely badass. Meaning hardcore, super duty uh skincare that I love and use every single day and have for years. I realized I'm mindful very much of what I put in my body, but I wasn't being very careful about what I put on my body. Buying shaving cream and face washes, just like a lot of us. I thought they were fancy or good because they were at the mall and had expensive and French names, but they're actually, of course, made with chemicals. We know this linked to disease and toxicity levels that were just never intended for humans. So I was like, what am I doing? I'm careful about my food, and I want to recognize the ingredients in what I eat, but I realized I wanted my skincare to be the same. So enter Living Libations. I started with their Ginger Exfoliating Scrub. That is the best pro tip I give to all my guy friends. Use a the Ginger Exfoliating Scrub before you shave. It gets all the dead skin and weird things that are in the way of a smooth shave out of the way, and then I use their Zen Shave shaving balm, which is so clean and natural and moisturizing, you can actually use it uh, as an aftershave, like a little dab when you're done, because it's not some anonymous neon blue goo shot out of a pressurized can. All of these things are made with plants, oils, and extracts that you will recognize, and it's still wonderfully powerful, as well as being natural and real. Uh, I also end my day with the Best Skin Ever moisturizer. It smells great. It feels great. That's what I put on before bed. But whatever your skin needs, this is face, body, eyes, teeth. We even got Lila on their baby products. Living Libations, I guarantee, has a premium, natural, high-end, wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare they sell at 7-Eleven. Plus, you can show your support of this show uh, and you'll get 20% off. Go to livinglibations.com and use promo code WEIRD at checkout. 20%. And show your support. As I've mentioned a couple times on the Friday episodes, if you guys have uh, skincare needs or CBD needs, it's a great way to support the show. We could use your support more than ever, seeing as this is pretty much all we can do during quarantine. So it means a lot. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And please enjoy the wonderful Rob Lowe. Get into it. Hello. Hi, Rob. How are you? I am not offering you any ownership of this podcast. In particular, <laughs> there is no value share. There's no profit. Share. <laughs> there's no. There's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to drop any ease. I just heard you very savvily discussing business. I I sort of loved it.
1: I yeah. Listen. I mean, don't don't mistake the prettiness for stupidness,
0: dude. I never would. I really wouldn't. There's no. How long have you been in show business?
1: Oh, dude! I I've been in it. it uh, well, okay. My very first job professionally, yeah, was in 1977.
0: Holy shit! So that's 42 years. No, 43 years. Crazy. Well, that's so. That's actually kind of an interesting place to start. First of yeah. all, thank you for for being oh, here. I'm very excited. This is very touch. Thank you. Um, what have What have you learned about the business? Because I I heard you do this really interesting interview where you talked about the outsiders and you talked about whether or not the best actors got the parts you weren't sure, but the most competitive ones got. And that, I love that stuff. If you want to give me some of that juice on like showbiz theory, acting as a job, like you've had to have a good head on your shoulders to this long. Yeah. I think,
1: I I do think that um, for longevity, you kind of have to have a, a bunch of different clubs in your bag. And Mm. it might be the same regardless of what career you're in. My guess is whether you're in business or finance or medicine or teaching, whatever, it's probably there's the same version of it for for any job. But for me, for show business, it's been number one above anything else, at least it is drive, Mm. ambition and drive. And wanting not
0: just with you, but everybody that, you know, like that's a that's a statement.
1: I I don't know if everybody. Look, I think there are a lot of people that get successful without it, Hmm. for sure, Um, particularly in today's world. It doesn't take much to become famous today. Um, So I'm not sure how much drive some of these you know, people who've showed gotten famous on YouTube or social media have. I don't know. Right. May, but I mean, I I just know. So they're just speaking for me. um, Wanting it really bad, having a vision of what I wanted, not having any doubts about what I wanted, willing to do whatever it took um, to do it. Sacrificing, you know, You know, I didn't, I love baseball. There was no little league for me, you know, because I was on the bus going to auditions. Um, You know, there's no junior, there's no high school prom because I was doing something. You know, it's like, you know, you got to prioritize, a priority, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You put it on the altar basically.
1: Yeah. And then, and then, um, I think you, you have to be, you have to be, have some facility at it. Otherwise, You're not going to get the jobs in the first place, no matter how bad you want it. You do see a lot of people, it's like everybody thinks because they love food (laughs) that they should open a restaurant.
0: Right. Or if they love movies, they could critique movies, that they could write movie reviews. Yeah.
1: Oh, so many people think because they love movies and have an encyclopedic knowledge of movies that they should direct.
0: Right, or exactly. Or act. Or act. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it ha- and it, Dude, I've said that same thing. Most people think they want to be writers because everybody thinks, and they think that writing is just writing down what you're thinking. And I'm like, sure, it is, but it's also like this horrible refining. I mean, you've worked with some of the best. you work with Sorkin. Tell that guy that you just write down what you think. I'm sure he murders himself to get the music of it just right. But I, I think that's part of the allure of it. It just, I think when you go and see a movie even when you were a young man going to see a movie you were like i maybe i could do that so there's something welcoming about it that was good but when the rubber meets the road you you already touched on something i find very interesting and tragic is when the level of talent doesn't match the level of ambition yeah
1: and you and, see that a lot you see it a lot in acting
0: well a la lot. is the only town you can die from encouragement i don't know if you That's heard my it. favorite
1: thank you yeah. that's <laughs> one of my that's one of my favorite <laughs> phrases
0: but you can also die from not enough encouragement. I mean, it's a paradox. It's like a constant paradox. There, yes. for every person that got too much encouragement that like deluded themselves as a comedian we call it laughter ears. They're bombing, but they think they killed. There's definitely comedians that are bombing that should have had more laughter ears. They should have believed in themselves more, but you got to get that balance just right. So if you're 15 going out for your first jobs and stuff. And I don't know much about your family, but it sounds like it wasn't that easy of a home. Where did you find that inner voice that was like, no, Rob, you are the shit. I know you didn't get 10 things in a row, but I believe in you. There had to be something that you've carried with you to this day that says, even though we didn't book this, 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 I think it's worth flying back to LA for that audition. It's worth sticking with it. I, I, you couldn't bore me talking about that. As much as you'd like. <laughs> well, for me, it is
1: the reason I stuck with it is the dirty little secret is I would do this even if they didn't pay me. Yeah. And and so once, once you're, if it's really in you and you love it with every fiber in your being, you're going to keep doing it no matter what it's when you're doing it for a, a, an ends, if you're doing it to be famous or if you're doing it to make money yeah. or if you're doing it for, for whatever reason, that, that that's when, um, when the hard times come, you maybe, maybe you would self question, but I do it for me. Yeah. I do it. Cause it's fun. And I, look, I didn't love getting on the, the bus and doing my homework and in the back and you know, coming home just in time to get into bed and go to school. I, I didn't love that. But the process of it, because it was in fulfillment of something that I loved, um, was something I was I was willing to do.
0: Where did it start? To For uh, it's, it's a leading question. I, it just sounds what I did hear about your family life was that you were introduced to alcohol at age five. I'm trying to have a fresh conversation with you. I don't want you to be bored. I want to keep you engaged and have fun. I want you to leave and be like, that was a great conversation. Forget the recording. So forgive me if I'm taking you down something you've talked about a lot. Sure. But I'm trying to center in on, for me, I didn't feel necessarily perfectly heard in my family. So of course I wanted to be on stage and amplified and under lights. And I wanted auditory confirmation every three seconds that people were understanding me. Like, that was my passion. It still is wow. my passion. So, of course, I wanted to, like, and also to bring alcohol into it, I wanted to face my my demons, my dragon. I wanted to go out into 300 people that basically represented, like, a boozy dinner with the family and dominate them to, like, reclaim my powerless childhood. I know Love that's re- I Yes, I knew you would. I knew by how you were nodding. So, Rob... I'm sharing that to get you to not to trick you, but to tell you I would be interested in to no. know what were you feeling, what introduced you to acting, and what what lit that the pilot light of your drive.
1: First of all, I love hearing that story. That's such a great description. <laughs> I I'm I so so would be right there with you on that. Um, I'm sure,
0: even though you're not doing stand up, it's the same, isn't it the same? You kill a scene, you kill it in 30 Rock, you kill it in West Wing, you kill it with some of the biggest killers of all time, Mike Myers, Farley, and you know when you kill it, especially with comedy, but with drama you get the chills, you make yourself cry for real, you didn't force it. You know when you kill it and you know where you stand, so you relate to the idea that, like, maybe you didn't have that as much as a child who did, but you had an exaggerated desire to create it in your adult life.
1: Totally. Um, yeah. 100%. I mean, I, you know, I, I started doing a one-man show and touring it just because I wanted to feel that, um, that energy that you're describing. And if, mm-hmm. I had the, if I really had the guts, I would have I just told people it's my version of stand-up, but I thought that that would be like a barrier to entry. Yeah. For people that well I love stand-up, wait, what? So I I called it a one man show and a and a new iteration of my books, but really it's stand-up and it's yeah, yeah. It's so much fun that there's nothing more raw and and more it's you it's 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 you going into the line as you said. You described it beautifully. You're absolutely <laughs> right. You.
0: It's it's definitely a tightrope walk, but what people don't know about a tightrope walk is there's nothing better when you do it when you're doing it and you feel sure-footed even though to everyone else's mind you're on a tightrope you've rehearsed you're comfortable you have yep. tricked your nervous system into not going into fight or flight so you can enjoy it so of course i would believe that you would be wonderful at that but what was the first thing did your parents encourage you to act or were you like i love this
1: so my, I went and into um, your point about seeing somebody else do it and go, oh, I can do that. Um, mm. It was a neighborhood production, like the date I lived in Dayton, Ohio, the Dayton Playhouse neighborhood production of Oliver. And, wow. you know, I'm a, I'm a little kid. And to me, it was like going to Broadway Broadway. You know, it was like, it probably had the local dentist starring in it.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but to a, me, A Mighty Wind. Yeah, I, had, We're I not it, Waiting it was, for Guffman, excuse me. It was literally waiting
1: for Guffman. Yes, I'm sure. Yes, yes. And it's also a play about a kid. Yes, How it's, perfect. A, play, it's perfect. a play about a kid. And yeah. I saw, you know, Oliver and I saw the kid and I saw the other kids in it. And I wasn't so sure I could play Oliver, but I knew. I could absolutely do what those other kids are doing in the background, like immediately. So, yeah, yeah. um, I was sort of, I had a, a true aha moment. And, and then as I, as, as luck would have it, as I walked out in the lobby, there was like a sign up for kids summer camp. And I asked my parents to sign me up and they did. And no that was the beginning kidding. of
0: it. Before that, were you in love? telemovies i mean were there sleepovers was was that happening as well
1: i mean i was so young i was probably eight years old when this happened oh my god okay so yeah so i mean i i certainly loved movies and television but it all it all kind of began at almost the same time
0: wow and then from there to trying it professionally i thought it was very interesting the story i mean you're you're doing your homework on the bus. I mean, but that's a long way from signing up for this camp. You do the oh, camp. Yeah. You love the camp. Did the camp go well, loved
1: the camp, got the lead in the yeah. play. <laughs> and uh, the next level of wow was I'll never forget it. Walking on and getting my first laugh.
0: Mm.
1: It was like, it's like heroin to junkie.
0: Yes. And and that confirmation this is what we were just talking about. That confirmation that what you did was good. There was no ambiguity. This is why I love what Seinfeld says: is no one reviews stand up, or we don't need you to review stand up. The reviews happen in real time. Yeah, although
1: although I will tell you, I've been I did a comedy on Broadway, and on Broadway, um, uh you said so the critics come, you know, like at any time. And I remember the night that the New York Times critic was in the house. And, you yeah, know, the New York Times is the only, you know, critic that people really care about on Broadway, at least in those days it was. And I was so excited because there were so many laughs. And I was like, oh, this is great. And the New York Times critic panned it and said it wasn't funny. So I'm like, and I never, and I can remember going, but everybody was laughing. So he was sitting in an audience with people laughing. Wow. I was like, yeah. So was it not the right kind of funny? So it, I, I was blown away with that because you'd think, and that's what I do love about comedy, is at the end of the day, people either laugh or they don't. It is right.
0: totally um, a, a zero-sum game but I've lived the experience. It's funny though, as you say it, I sort of understand, because I'm sure you've watched other people get, as Lauren Michaels would say, the wrong kind of laugh. Like all pizza is good, all laughter is good, but every once in a while you have that brick oven, it's crispy, just a little bit of my, and you're like, holy shit, this is a laugh, you know?
1: Well, there's also comedians that are wildly, 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 wildly successful that I've never cracked a smile. Yeah, yeah. Listening to them.
0: Of course. And that's just a phenomenon. And that, so I understand maybe, maybe it was the wrong kind of laugh, but maybe that, I wonder if that review planted in you well, it depends on how long ago that was because you've done so much comedy since. I mean, yeah, that you was like uh, getting the yeah. good laugh.
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. I mean, look, you know, one of the things I love, I, I love about comedy is the various levels of it. And, you know, one of the things that I always tell people is, you know, that sarcasm is the lowest
0: form of comedy. I knew it. I think you're in Enneagram 7. Has anyone ever told you that? Oh, no, what is this It's the enthusiast i mean i I feel like you're a seven oh. all day, and sevens i'm a i'm seven is my second number. I know this sounds like Scientology, but just give that me a it sounds minute. great, yeah, no, I think you'd like it. Seven is one of my favorite numbers. All all great directors are sevens. A lot of great creatives are sevens because, like, Wes Anderson is definitely a seven. He loves detail. He loves a world. The Coen brothers. They love getting into a mm-hmm. style of music. You need your directors to be sevens. You definitely have that feel. Uh, I could be wrong. But sevens, in my experience, hate sarcasm because sarcasm, and I also hate sarcasm. I, I'll yeah. use it from time to time in emergencies. But it's just no effort. I make you a burrito and it sucks. And you go, that was delicious. And it's like, you're in the way. Who are you helping? How alone and scared are you that like, that's what you offer. We're all trying to build something. You feel like a guy who's trying to build something, get something going, get some momentum. And there there might be a sarcastic guy just slowing and gumming up the works. Is that yeah? Right?
1: I, I Yeah. And I always feel like I'm not a big fan of low-hanging fruit. Uh, no, of easy jokes. And yet, there's a whole, you know, um, there's a whole. Uh, there are there are very successful, long-running television series where people have made tr- trillions of dollars. Where it's nothing but one obvious, easy, low-hanging fruit joke over another, and they're beloved, beloved. Yeah. yeah. And I've never cracked a smile.
0: I, you know what I try to do to get in touch with that? Cause I know what you're talking about. I always see those things and I go, people are tired. <laughs> I think they're like, yeah. I'm like, they're tired. They're overworked. They're underpaid. And I'm not even saying this in their defense. I just, I'm so baffled where I'm like, how can you like this? They come in and they might as well say who farted. It's just yes, so yes. base. Yeah. And I'm like. I know you love 30 rock and you were great on parks. And it's just like Thanks. that stuff is like, it's like a, it, it's a harpsichord. It, it, it's just difficult to get in. If no one ever taught you how to follow, I don't know. Or if you never right. had the interest or the instinct.
1: It's also like what you were raised with. You know, I was raised with Saturday night live with the original cast. Like at yeah. the very time I was discovering comedy and, and and you know, you're forming your taste. It's like, here's food. You're going to eat food now. Yeah. I didn't get fed hot dogs. I got fed the finest food in the world because when I was discovering comedy, it was 1975, 76 as a little yeah. boy, and I was watching the original Saturday Night Live. So, like, my palate was, you know, I, I was raised with that as opposed to, you know, happy days, which I also like by the way, actually right right but, but like i I got the sophisticated subversive stuff right off the bat, but if you 've never been exposed to that i don 't you probably don 't understand why succession is funny
0: I think succession is hilarious hilarious and it 's all subtext, I mean, like really what we 're talking about is the sophistication of of levels of meaning and what we 're criticizing. Right. I haven't even seen Big Bang Theory, but I feel like we're kind of making fun of Big Bang Theory. But those shows are right on the surface. Again, I haven't seen it. But I feel like shows like that are right on the surface. And then shows like Succession, it's like, Oh, if you remember what he said in the last scene, that's why it's funny that he, his, his attitude is the joke. The fact that he, his face dropped and suddenly he's not such right. a big guy because his dad walked in. And that's really funny because I can relate to that. It's asking more of you, like a book like, or a play.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's set up joke. Set up joke stuff is not funny to me. Here's I, I live in f- mortal fear of social situations where someone says this, oh, I've got a funny story. <laughs> when they say that, I want to kill myself. Because I know, yes. I know I'm about to hear a story that isn't funny.
0: Yes, but has this the sound of a story. What they really mean is, here's a story that sounds like stories I've heard characters on TV telling when they tell stories, meaning it's like, and then I open the door. And it's the clown, Rob. The clown yes. was in the backyard the whole time, Rob. Right. And they right. put it on you to make it a good story by laughing. And you're just like, I hate this story. And forget it. The people that you've worked with and the people that I've worked with, they know where your story's going. Most people do. You don't have to be a, a fancy showbiz boy to know where the story's going. Everyone knew the fucking clown was in the goddamn backyard, Steve. Yeah, get, to yes. get to it quick. Get to it quick. Boy, I always they call say, it the clown in the backyard story, and then they still tell it. It's like we know. <laughs> you I know. Said I it's know. the clown in the backyard story.
1: I always want to say when they go, "Oh, I, I, I here's something funny." I always want to say, "I'll be the judge of that." Go ahead.
0: That's good. That's nice. <laughs> I was just going to say these are the same people that want you to want comedians to be funny, or want, or put some sort of burden on you. Or let me ask instead of assuming, what is the burden people put on you? I, I take you to my Uncle Larry's uh, birthday party. We're in Winchester, Massachusetts. Uh, good salt of the earth folk. People see Rob Lowe. What is, not just the ooh and the ah, but what do they want from you? Or what do you think they want from you?
1: <laughs> well, this is going to sound odd. And, it, and I don't mean mean it to sound like a celebration of glibness or inauthenticity or cheesiness or anything like that. But I have always been a fan of people who know how to be the people that the, the people want them to be. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger I know exactly knows I, I, knows I know exactly. what it means to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um Cary Grant Knew what it meant to be Cary Grant. I am not a fan at all of successful, famous entertainers who in public can't give the people what they want in a
0: way that isn't demeaning to themselves. I do. You know, do you know, does that make old. any sense? Rob, you've just entered the hot tub of agreement. I, I don't even know what that means. I'm, I'm agreeing with you so much. It's heating up the water. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Because when I interviewed uh, James Corden for this podcast, he told me the same thing. He's like, Will Smith, Tom Cruise. I've even heard specific stories about old T. Cruz that he'll say, show me the money. And he'll mean it. He'll say it, that's one, but he'll mean it? Good. That's a seven. He's a seven. He He means it.
1: He. Well, by the way, he's one of my favorite people. And one of my, I just, I I, I, I love him. I I love Tom. I love him. I love him. I love him. And and that does not surprise me. Like, I'm trying to think of other people other than Arnold, because there are other people who. What's
0: your Arnold story? Like just somebody wanting well, him a, to just be the guy that he is. Here's
1: a, this is this is my favorite Arnold story ever. Is we walked. And I've known him forever. I've known him for years and years. Very close. And we walked into a restaurant in Sacramento when he was governor. And they said, "Oh, oh, oh governor, we have a, a a a private room for you over here." He goes, "Why would I want to do that? I want to be where the action is." <laughs> And that's, you do what I'm saying? Every, if you walk in with, I don't know, pick your pseudo intense actor, like, oh
0: yeah, man, I gotta, I just, oh yeah, I don't. Uh, yes. You were just yeah, doing I would say like, Rob Schneider. That was Rob Schneider. Ever,
1: <laughs> I wanna be like, bro, if you can't handle being looked at, get the
0: fuck out of show business. Well, I feel like people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, at a certain point, and you're right, you gotta get that percentage right but a certain percentage belongs to the public. Would, would you agree? Especially when you're, you're an icon, the man's a fucking postage stamp, which I know is a loaded thing to say these days, but I'm just saying he's an icon. And he, with one look, I'll, I know you'll like, I feel like you're gonna like this story. I used to do improv at UCB in New York and they did a live 30 Rock. I just went to watch. We went to the bar up the street, this is the old one uh, in Chelsea. And we went up the bar and Alec Baldwin came. It's already a story. It's already a story. Yeah. Just because he came. Yeah. And then Alec Baldwin bought everybody chicken fingers. And he hands me one and goes, there you go. Because he knows I got the face of a guy who wants a chicken finger. And he knows, he knows, he knows how much to keep over here for old Allie Bald. And he knows how much to give me because it's goddamn joy, Rob. Life talking back to base television, this is a different thing. If you have the ability, which is what I think T. Cruz embodies, to say, show me the money. And he seems like a very present guy. So he's saying it for the first time. You know what I mean? He's not doing it for the millionth time. He's getting in that S. He's getting in that H. He's getting in that O. He's getting in that W. And he's letting it feel for the first time. And that... Family of 12 at TGI Fridays yep. will never fucking forget it. So I'm hearing, if I'm hearing you correctly, you have found that balance in your life. If it means, I want, I, sh- I shook Paul Rudd's hand 25 years ago, and it meant a fuck ton, which is why if someone ever wants to shake my hand, and I, I bet you're the same, you, you enjoy playing that part, why not? It's ungrateful
1: otherwise. Right. It's unjust it's just ungrateful. Yes. And you know, you to I always aspired to be like, you know, if Arnold leaves a restaurant, he turns to the hostess and goes, I'll be back. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like And you go, Yes, that. Yes. That thing, that, yes, that.
0: Yes. That makes me so happy. I wonder, does Arnold know that people find his Total Recall commentary really funny? Is he aware that that became like a viral thing?
1: Oh, how about that? I don't know this and I am now going to watch it. You have
0: to. Oh, is it unbelievable? It's really great. And it's guileless. It's not like, what an idiot. It's like, I think it's when commentaries were kind of new. Yeah, So Arnold is doing Total well, I'm Recall. Writing this, I'm, I'm writing this down right
1: please, now. Please, would you please... Uh, this You may have given me the gift of, of like the unbelievable gift.
0: You need to let me know. Go through, Allison. Go through somebody, but just let me know how this plays. And if we get a funny voicemail, send it to me. Because oh my God. the whole thing, again, in his defense, the man is a treasure. In his defense, they were new. It's Total Recall, for fuck's sake. But instead of going, what we do now, which is like, oh, I remember this scene. Working with that guy was great. He's such a cut up. Oh, it was a hot day. If you look carefully, you'll yeah. notice that. Yeah, right, right. Eye, You know, whatever it, modern commentaries. The whole thing is just two hours of him going. And in this scene, I'm trying to get my eye to read on the scanner. Like the whole, he's just saying <laughs> what the movie is. The whole oh, movie. That's, oh, that's so great. He's narrating it. He doesn't do a commentary. He just goes, and now I have to get the Mars because there's no atmosphere. The whole thing is is so... uh, By the way,
1: I I absolutely see the world in which this This happens.
0: Yes, yes. Well, like I said, it's guileless. It's a man going, you want me to talk about the movie? I'll talk about the movie. What am I going to talk about? I'll talk about the plot of the movie. (laughs) Uh, so good. It's on YouTube. Just look up Best of Total Recall commentary. Uh, I'm doing it. (laughs) It's fucking amazing. Great. He he seems like a really inspirational guy. Do you guys just inspire each other? I mean, you seem like another one of those people. I'm bringing this back to you as well. There's like a real, when I've seen him speak and you're giving me this energy as well. It's like you said earlier, have a a, a vision for what you want. And
1: and TC's right up there. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I haven't seen TC in a long time. Uh, but he's he's not dissimilar. I, I, maybe it's and, and you know when you think of it, we all came up in a certain time of the business, like Arnold, Tom, me, all you know more or less within the same decade. Yeah, and and I think that the business celebrated and was really open to a certain type of worldview and ethos, and it was all pre irony, first of all. It was all pre David Letterman. Yep. Who I love David Letterman. David Letterman is fucking awesome, but in the celebration of David Letterman's awesomeness, everyone. no one could be earnest about anything ever again. I
0: agree. If you want if you're writing down good YouTubes, uh, maybe you've already seen it, but David Foster Wallace on the, on irony is incredible. He gave us a talk about how we became incapable of, of being earnest. And of course, you know, The importance of being earnest, the play is about a time when it was very in vogue to be earnest, you know, Right. and then it moves the other way. We become very ironic and then we go back to earnest. So there's always a pendulum, but he gives a, as a writer, as a creator, and I think you as a writer, creator, actor, everything you're doing uh, it's really important to, when we're being ironic, to at least know that that's the choice we're making, yes. instead of just being like, that's what reality is. Reality is to think it's boring that you have to talk to some stupid movie star. Again, I love Letterman, but I think we're moving into a time. And that's why I'm glad you're doing a podcast, because podcasts are the place to be as as earnest as you want to be. Right. You yep. you were saying it was it was in the same decade you were all coming. Yeah, so out.
1: this so it's Tom's inspirational to me in that way too that he's unapologetic about about he, what he wants to achieve and how he goes about his work and um, and his enthusiasm for it. I mean, talk about no irony. Yeah, you know and. And yet he's hilarious and funny. And, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a different, you know, it's not, you know, what we do is we, we, one of the things I like about Tom and Arnold is they both have the right perspective of what we do for a living, where it's like they take it really seriously, super seriously. Yeah. And yet they also know that it beats digging a ditch. And at the end of the day, we're wearing makeup.
0: <laughs> you know I mean, I saw Patton Oswalt tweet something about John Wayne. People are always going to John Wayne, like, "Oh, what happened to uh, we used to be John Wayne?" And, and Patton tweeted, "John Wayne played with toy guns and wore makeup." Like, stop it! Like, I
1: do you one. I do you one better. I saw yeah. a documentary on John Wayne the other day. I had no idea that he wore a full toupee. Really? No idea. And apparently, and this is kind of was really interesting. Add and mix. He, he also had no qualms about not wearing the toupee. None. Didn't give a shit. Wow. And he would call, he would call it that thing. <laughs> and wow. if, you, if you look at any John Wayne personal fo- uh, photos or beh- behind the scenes, John Wayne fished blue marlin fishing. He's always got a hat on. Yeah, uh, he, you don't see many photos of him without the rug.
0: Yeah, but it's wow.
1: and and what's amazing is John Wayne with the rug is John fucking Wayne. John Wayne without the rug is the guy who come and used to repair my refrigerator in Ohio. <laughs>
0: Well, you talked about that. It's funny, not just toupees, but the idea of being, becoming a thing, being an entertainer. You talked about when you were 15, can't catch a date. I'm I'm inferring this, or I'm implying, I'm inferring this, that you weren't that popular. You get your first sitcom. Uh, The first week you're on, you come out and all the girls start screaming. And I was like, oh my God. Rob, I was the guy watching Step by Step or whatever. It was different shows. But I was like, how do I get girls and and everybody, honestly, to cheer when I walk in a room? And it's part, it's a self-perpetuating thing. You're on the show, and then they love you, and then they cheer for you because that's what audiences do on shows. But it's all sort of baked into it. And that's something, tell me a little bit about what that felt like.
1: I, I just remember the the reality disconnect where the Friday before we, we shot the show every Friday. It was a sitcom. I was 15. Um, we shot one Friday. I walked out to deliver my first line. No reaction, which is how it had been, by the way, for the first, for the first five shows. But we aired for the very first time that week. We were actually on TV for the first time next Friday I came out and the place went bonkers and I go, nothing is, wait wait a minute. I'm still the same person. I'm still, I'm not, I didn't become a better actor. I didn't become a, I didn't become more handsome. I didn't become funnier. I didn't become more buff. I'm not more, whatever. I'm exactly the same last week. Crickets this week. Crazy cheers. What the living fuck is going on?
0: (laughs) I'm telling you, the Beatles had to feel the same way, right? They were like, we were just in Hamburg playing I Want to Hold Your Hand, and John got a lager in his face, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they just, it, and then they're on Ed Sullivan. I, I'm just so interested. But to have that hyper-consciousness, did you take it with a grain of salt, then? Were you like, wait, I, this is the same thing? Or were you, did you believe your own hype? I mean, you were a young man.
1: I was. I think because I was 15, I, I didn't listen. I didn't understand very much about anything as, as, you know, most 15 year olds do. I, I mean, so I did not do that added extra leap to, Oh, this is all bullshit. Take it with a grain of salt and put it in its proper box. I just didn't have the, 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 um, the life experience to do that. I, I legitimately didn't know why it was different. What the, I didn't know any of the science behind, it. I mean, I knew it was because I was on television, but I was like oh am i am I different? I don't feel different. I don't look di-. you know, it was all like oh. I didn't know what was
0: going on well, this is why another one for your YouTube list, if you watch Big Bang Theory without the laugh track, I mean get ready to go to Flavortown, it's insane. Oh my God. Because what it is, Rob, it's not just hilarious that it's it, it's eerie, and it's not just they're pausing for laughs, they're pausing for familiarity laughs. Do you know what I mean? They're pausing yes. for that, like, whoa, he's doing what he's doing! <laughs> so it's not just like, if I'm just like, you want some cake, and someone looks at the fat guy and goes, by the looks of you, it looks like more cake. And then there's like a 30-second silence. It'll give you the chills. This is (laughs) – I am
1: so – I have never been more excited (laughs) for my nightly YouTube deep dive, because that's all I do. I don't watch anything on TV. Listen, TV has been very, very good to me. I watch nothing on it. I'm on YouTube looking at ancient aliens or (laughs) – Steve McQueen behind the scenes of this or Big Bang Theory with no laugh track.
0: (laughs) And as a cinephile, everybody that listens to this show is going to know I'm going to say this. There is some incredible content of people breaking down movies. I mean like production value. There's a whole film school education for free. And I, I love saying this because I want people to take advantage of it. I sound like a dad, but I want everybody to take advantage. If you're interested in making movies, uh, and music. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah. I my big, my big deep dive is on, you know, uh, Walter Fagan's chord progression discussion on the making of Steely Dan's Asia.
0: Yeah, there you go. Like like that kind of stuff. I mean, come on. We used to have to, sorry to sound like an old man, but like I remember if a video came on for a band that I like, an MTV music video, you'd, you'd rush to the VCR in hopes that you could get the last 15 seconds of it. And of course it would show up in the middle of your home video because it was the Yeah, right. exactly. But like the thought that you can watch anything and watch someone explain it to you, I'm just like- It's so funny. I,
1: I did, a, um, when I was on SNL, I played a character called the Beholder. This is one of the, I think it was a, one of the times I hosted it. And he filmed his goth persona. And the, the point of it was he was making these little home movies that he didn't really know how to do very well. And in the middle of it, it cut to the opening of Frasier. Like he had, he had
0: <laughs> that is fantastic.
1: Uh, that's what you reminded me of right now.
0: But isn't that what comedy is? It's like comedy is reminding us that no matter what you're looking at, and also Frasier. You know what I'm saying? And like, yes. That's like a good perspective for us to have on reality. It's like, oh my God, did you see what happened today? And also uh, tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Like it's, which, which by the way, I happening. had
1: never, I look, Frasier, Kelsey, that's one of the, I wish sitcoms were that literate. I, I mean, um, like there was a time when sitcoms were unbelievably, they were, they were truly banter- Plays Frazier was unfucking. I would be on. I would be on a new iteration of Frazier in two seconds.
0: Oh, I'd love to see you as Nils. I just made you Nils. I'm sorry. I I would do
1: it. I (laughs) I I would be there. But that said, I guess I must have always come into it late because I didn't know what was going on with scrambled eggs and ham or whatever the fuck that thing is. I don't know. I was like, wait, what is that? Like that's dude. That's the opening of Frazier. I go, no, it's not. Yeah, singing that.
0: It is. It's like, in my opinionation, it's, it's a, remember Blossom? Did you ever watch Blossom? Oh yeah, of course. My opinionation, still a great show. It's like those things that can, remember theme songs, Rob? Now oh. we're both just being seven. By the way,
1: I'm a, I am the kind of guy who watches, like I never fast forward ever through the Sopranos opening. Oh
0: wow. Never, never you're like a commuter it's, now. You, you've just like, made that drive so many. I just times. make. The, I
1: make that drive. I know that uh, New Jersey turnpike, like it. or like the West Wing. You're not. You would tell me when the West Wing comes on and that theme comes on. You're going to fast forward. I'm not.
0: That's hilarious. I tweeted. I was like, when you binge a show and you get to the finale and you watch the intro out of respect. That's what Ooh, I'll do. It's like, like I'll, I'll definitely watch the intro on the first one. But then there's some shows like Daredevil that had an incredible intro. And then you catch yourself thinking about the incredible intro and you're like, I should go back to that show. I think it's kind of what it is. It's like a jingle for the show or, or, or something that sticks with you. I don't know. I, 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 I had this discussion.
1: I this discussion with Mike Myers. We, we're big fans of not only the intros, which you don't do on television because they don't have the, the writers rightfully took on network television. They, they r- rightfully want the storytelling time. Right. And you only have so much time. So that's why they're not going to give up 30 seconds right. to do an opening. They're just not going to do it. But I loved when they did it. And more than that, I loved when they not only had the credit of the actor, but they told you who it was as well. Barnaby Jones. Uh, um, starring <laughs> Buddy Ebsen. It's like, well, I know. It says Buddy Ebsen. It's, <laughs> they also say it. Like, um, Mike and I, are we're always obsessed with Telling you what it was as or well as showing
0: when you were the a young man and you didn't know who was being grandfathered into a show that was sort of beneath them. Like I had that with Heather Locklear on Melrose Place. They were like, "And Heather Locklear," and I'm like, "Who the fuck is Heather?" Because I'm like 12. Yeah, but like, or Joey Tata on 90210 when they were like, "And Joey Tata as Nat," and you're like, "Why does he get the special full yeah. page title card?"
1: You know, my, my, my credit on Parks and Rec uh, for the first three episodes I was in was Anne introducing Rob Lowe. It was so I loved it.
0: That's perfect. That's perfect. Like Jonathan Taylor Thomas or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, like there's this guy you've never heard of. He's going to be on the show now. His name is that, Rob Lowe, but I think you're going to like him.
0: That's the only way to do it. I love that. So let's go back to Vision. I'm curious, the career you have such an absurd dream. It goes, we we don't have to bring them in, but the same with Arnold. I mean, growing up, Austria. The same with anybody, anybody we've talked about. Mike Myers would be a lunatic to imagine the career that he had. You would be a lunatic. Arnold, get the fuck out of here. You throw immigrant on, get out of here. I don't understand. T. Cruz, I don't care. I know you guys are both good looking guys you know what it's like. Get the fuck out of here. There's been a a million auditions where T-Cruz looks around and everyone's better looking than T-Cruz or everybody's better looking than you. So get that shit out of here. It's not even just that. It's an absurd gamble. My question is, how closely does your life match your vision and how important do you think it was that you had the absurdity to greenlight your dreams?
1: Um, Okay, a couple things. One is my life has surpassed my vision and I'm totally humble about it, grateful for it. And the other thing is that the, however you want to look at it, God, the universe, whoever, whoever you identify with is the power greater than yourself, um, has way better plans for you than you do for yourself. So, Like, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, like, in the middle of my movie career, whatever, like, what I would wish for myself in my life, in my life, I'd be like, oh, I want to work with Martin Scorsese, Mm. right? By the way, I have not worked with Martin Scorsese. My phone has never rung for Martin Scorsese. I've sat next to Martin Scorsese. I've said hello to Martin Scorsese that's it. I've pretty much figured out at this point, he's not calling me. He's not doing it. He, when he thinks of a guy who looks like me, which is rarely, he is going to call Leo. And that's the way it goes. And guess what?
0: It's all good in the hood. I thought you were going to say Ray Liotta. Cause I was like, people have to come up to you and say, I loved you in Goodfellas. I mean, that has to have happened.
1: No, no one's ever said that. I, it's my favorite movie of all time, by the way.
0: Really? Like, I feel that off of you. It's I, not like a ringer. Is-
1: Goodfellas is my favorite movie of all time, but I so I didn't I didn't get that, um, but I got stuff that is different, and equally as satisfying, and really unexpected, and stuff I stuff I could never have imagined for myself. So it's a balancing act of having your dream, your vision, what you'd like, and then knowing though that maybe you'll get it, and maybe just maybe you won't get it, and you'll get something different and better.
0: Well, speaking about the universe and the flow of energy in in the universe and the way that things go and talking about when the talent doesn't match the ambition, I'm going to put this to you. I've said it a million times. I'll say it a million more. You have to follow the dream that's following you, that you get feedback from your dream. So if you keep going into a play and it's just not working, like let's just say really baseline, it's just not working. You can't remember lines you can't project you have this 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 it's just not working pivoting and going why do i want what i want you shouldn't here's the question for you shouldn't what you want be to give what you have to offer not want to offer what is valued by your culture which is being famous and rich
1: oh 100% and 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 the the key to any growth particularly just for me and what i do And I think it might be true for everybody is to not just do what you can do, but try to do what only you can do. There's a lot of actors. There's a lot of leading men. There's a lot of people who do comedy. There's a lot of people who do drama. There's a lot of people who do drama and comedy. Like, okay, so great. But what is it about me? What, what, what is, what are the things that only I can do? And when you find that, that's when you're, you're in your sweet spot.
0: Well, that's what Bill Hicks says. He's like, the more authentic you are to yourself, if you can do that, you'll be the only one that does it. And you'll have supply and demand covered. I don't really know. I said, you're sort of like Leota. You, you look like a young Leota to me, but also I don't think when I think of you, I don't think of five other guys, you know what I mean? Oh, that's good. I don't go. Yeah. That, I hope that makes you feel good. Cause it's completely yeah. true. Um, you know. what is, what is, what do you say to somebody that wants, there's probably a ton of young people that would want to do what you're doing. And we would probably cut out the part where you're like, well, make sure you're good at it. But like, mm-hmm. what is, well, is it an attitude first? Is it the craft first? Are you telling people to absorb a lot of movies? Are you telling people to try theater, take classes?
1: Well, okay. I, okay. So here's, here's what makes a good actor. Why don't, why don't we do it this way? What makes, what are the prerequisites? for being a good actor. And um, the number one is honesty. You have to be honest in your work. When we don't like certain TV shows, what we are bumping on is they're not honest. And so you need to be, and, by the, and so by the way, if the script um, has you crying, and you can't honestly cry, you better figure out some other thing. <laughs> so, you, Meaning, but, you're, but what you're not going to do is fake cry.
0: That's We're back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like, it's, you should be... I, I worked with an actor early in my career, and he had to cry in the scene. And it was a very light comedy sketch. And he still did it. And I was like, what did you do? I think I wasn't the only one. I was like, how did you cry? And you'll laugh because it was a sketch. He was playing a a street fighter character in the video game street fighter. He was playing M. Bison. And I was telling him that I I was a bureaucrat and I was denying his application for a street fighting tournament. And he cries and it was really funny. And after we yell cut, I'm like, what, how did you cry? And he said, Rob, get ready to be enthusiastic about this. He goes, I just thought about how heartbreaking it was that this guy couldn't get the tournament that he had been working so hard in a comedy sketch. In a sketch. He embodied a video game character who wanted in this absurd reality, a permit to do a street fighting tournament. And I said, no. And he wept because he couldn't have his dream come true. He didn't think of one of his dreams that didn't come true. He just did it. That is what I hear you saying. You got yeah, to and, and, find it.
1: And you, can do, and you can do it. I've done it both ways. I've done it where, I mean, look, if the writing is great, you don't have to do anything. It's right there within you um, because you're the story that you're involved with. And even in this little video game thing, that story moved him. Mm. So he didn't have to. Or maybe the story isn't moving you. And the writing isn't that good. and You don't have that connection. Then you go to that time my dog died, or whatever the hell. I I, I don't do a lot of that anymore. Um, but so it's it's uh, honesty, and then the other thing is actors have to listen. They have to listen, and because you 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 see so many actors who have, and particularly nowadays where, um, everybody's going on tape and live auditions are less and less and less. You're learning how to manufacture a fully finished product to get the job. And the last thing you want to do on a set is come in with a fully finished product. You want to be open to whatever that other actor is doing. I know that any good actor will give a different performance based on what the other actor is doing.
0: Mm.
1: And I've worked with plenty of actors that no matter what I do, if I rage or I jump up and down or I fall asleep on the floor, like I could do 1 billion trillion different things. Their performance would be exactly the same. That's a bad actor.
0: Wow. I've never gotten such a great answer on acting. I, I've always asked about it. I think that was fantastic. I, I think
1: there, there are people legitimately who I always like to say it this way. If, if a plane crashed into the soundstage during the scene, <laughs> they would do exactly the same
0: thing that they did before lunch. I think that's great. And I mean, not great, a great way to understand it. I'm thinking now about certain filmmakers that would ask the actors to do it differently. Here's Let me take it through. By the way, before we go to this Brando in um,
1: the Godfather, there's the famous footage and picture of him holding the cat, Don Corleone, right? It's very famous photo. That cat was a wild cat in the studio, and it walked onto the set during the scene. Brando, was like, oh, there's a cat here. Reacted to it, picked it up, put it, and did the whole scene holding the cat. There are a, there's a whole class of actors that don't do that.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. It is reacting, isn't it? I mean, it should reacting. Be. Yeah, yeah. It's, unfortunately, I think that might put you at the mercy. Well, maybe not. Unfortunately, because no matter what's happening, you can react to it. Even if they're giving you very, very little, you can still find something. Oh,
1: my help. favorite thing to do in the West Wing. Uh, my favorite thing to do was to, to to accept the challenge of being in a scene with multiple characters, sometimes as many as ten or eleven, and only have one line. Hmm. because keeping that alive, um, because that's the other thing is actors think that if they're talking, that's their moment. It's not their moment is the entire time. Hmm. So when you keep it alive and listen, ironically, what you'll find is they will cut to you because something's going on behind your eyes and you're living and reacting. Um and, and that is, that, that's a whole other other thing is the great actors are, I, I just want to watch them listen.
0: Wow. When it comes to something like live performing, so you're doing SNL, which I know was a high point of your career, if not a yeah. high well, point, because yeah. I know you grew up on it. Yeah. You're dealing with the adrenaline of that. When you're on set, you do have the ability to focus and center and, and do it multiple times. And and I'm not saying it's cushy, but you do have your comforts. You can get, I'm speaking for myself, you can get the coffee exactly how you want it, exactly right before your coverage. I yeah. I, I i wouldn't demand it, but I'm trying to make it the best I could. So my wonderful assistant, Paige, would know, bring him his coffee before his coverage because that's when he's going to want to riff. You don't riff in someone else's coverage. So um, that's pretty cushy. Compared to SNL, as you said, Lauren says it's like being shot out of a cannon. How do you find your center in any high-stress situation? Just maybe in a life situation, but how does Rob Lowe keep himself rooted doing something that's already difficult, but now doing it naked, wet, in a lighthouse in a snowstorm?
1: Yeah, uh, it's funny. Um, This started late... I don't know how many years has been going on now, but I take a minute to myself. And again, you can call it whatever you want to call it, whether it's prayer or meditation or just a, a moment of mindfulness, being, getting into your own body. And, and I, I ask for, um, to just to, to be sort of filled and used as a vessel for, for, for people's entertainment, um, joy, drama, and then to have access to, to every, uh, to that whole pool that the universe or or, or God has. And I, I do that. Um, I do that every, every time before I go on stage, every single time, every time I, I don't do it on movies and television. Interestingly. Hmm. Um, don't know why, but I don't, um, probably should. But I definitely do it: talk shows, speeches, public appearances, live. Um, Anything where well, you know it is? adrenaline? It's, it's, it's adrenaline. You know what it is? It's when the state when I feel like the stakes are high and there's adrenaline. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah,
0: you're That's you're it. on the tightrope again. I, I yeah. completely understand. I am a mindful of the universe. I'm a grateful person. I'm trying to keep in mind of things bigger than myself. But if I'm on set, I can. It's easier to balance than just doing a talk show appearance where suddenly I'm backstage, you've been on the show 10, 20 times and you're still going like, okay, this is for joy. Like having to remember some sort of mission statement. Like this matters. Yeah, for sure. People, as soon as I worry that, oh, we're taking entertainment so seriously, I have to imagine people are like, your work carried me through a dark time. It has to be thousands of people by this point the Outsiders means so much to me. Rob, I'm telling you, Tommy Boy means so much to me. And and you're a huge part of that. You're a part of my youth. This matters. This We're not just talking about entertainment. We're talking about connection between human beings. 100%. Right?
1: For sure. I mean, like we've talked about Ray Liotta came up. Ray Liotta, like has a free lifetime pass for me on anything. And he's, his performance in Goodfellas is transcendent. It's like, like I, I I get, I mean, I get it. I'm a fan like anybody else. Pete, um, art, um, entertainment, movies, TV shows. They, I get how important they are because they're important to me. Like, you know, James Gandolfini and the Sopranos. You kidding me? Yeah. Um, or, uh, you know, or, or Steve Carell and everybody in the office or Alec on
0: uh, 30 raw. I mean, dude, that's not nothing. Yeah. I got to, I talked to Steve Carell recently and I, I was like, I tried to think of a good compliment and I think I did it. I said, When we watched The Office, because I haven't watched The Office, The American Office, all the way through. So that's what we watched during the quarantine. And the compliment was, we rewind it. It's not just the line. It's how you said it. And and I know it's how it was written, but you're adding this stammer. You're adding this. You're laughing at yourself. And it's just perfect. And you're rewinding it. Those moments where you're like, it's exactly what you said. He does it in a way that no one else could have done it. And at least even if we're not at that level, we can do it in the way that we do it. So it's not just who you? you were telling that story in the outsiders. The director wanted to toughen you guys up. So he wanted you to play football, tackle football on concrete or asphalt. And I don't, I forget which actor it was, but why don't you tell it? Cause I, I love that. He was like, I got to get out of here. Tell it. It was
1: uh yeah. Coppola had, you know, the movie business was so different then. I mean, there were these, <laughs> You know, it was just it was night and day, it bears no resemblance to what it is now. But in those days you would there'd be long rehearsals and sense memory work and you know, all kind I mean it was you know, the the era of the method actor and uh acting was regarded in this like like the highest, most serious level.
0: Yeah, thing you could do.
1: And, Can I speak uh, and to that? Because if yeah. you
0: watch a game show on, this is what I watch on YouTube. Watch Double Dare from the eighties. Kids, they'll they'll talk to kids in the audience, and they stand up, and they're so confused, and the lights bouncing off their huge glasses, and they don't know where to look. And he's like, "So where are you from?" And they're like, their face mashes into the microphone, and they have snot running down their face, and they're like, "I'm from Arkansas," and they're they're terrible. Watch a game show now. The kid stands up, finds his light and he's like, I, uh, I'm originally from Tempe, but my family moved when I was 12 to Peoria, Illinois, which is home of the grapefruit. And everyone clapped. <laughs> what happened when you were starting acting was like, what? And now everybody has some sense of what it is, what's yep. good, what's bad yep. and dangerously yep. so a, a vague sense that they could do it. And they, and they kind of can do maybe the basics. But you oh, were yeah, and when it was like pulling a parrot out of your out of your urethra,
1: yes, <laughs> yeah, which I did many times that's how you got the part that's how I got the pot nobody no, Coppola took one look at my open urethra um he he um no I think that might have been Joel Schumacher anyway um the, the, uh, the uh, yeah, the so we uh Coppola wanted to toughen us up. Looking back on, it, I think he might have meant me. <laughs> I, I think he I think he probably just meant me. But knew like it would probably be better if the rest of them did it. Anyway, we found ourselves um playing tackle football with these local Tulsa kids who just clearly were like, fuck these Hollywood guys. Mm. And you know, it was tackle. And I remember see Thomas Howell who played pony boy, uh, who was the experienced one. Cause his dad was a stunt man and he'd grown up on sets and he was, he had this little movie in the can that hadn't come out yet called E.T. <laughs> um, he kind of huddled us up and was like, listen, fuck these guys and fuck Francis if I get my fucking leg broken right now, I, they're going to put me on the next plane home and somebody else is playing Pony Boy. So I'm not yeah. doing this. And we're like, yeah, it's a really good idea. We, we went on strike and we didn't just, do
0: it. Just like a real pony. If he broke his leg, they'd put him down. Yes.
1: They put, <laughs> they'd, they would put the actual Pony Boy down like a pony.
0: <laughs> and then this goes back to what I talked about at the beginning. I, I was really curious what you you guys wanted it more than anybody. And I, I just was curious. I know it was a different showbiz, but if you'll indulge me, I'm just like, what did that mean? What could you, what was even in your control to want it more than the other actors?
1: Well, you can go on YouTube and you can watch the o- Outsiders auditions. They're on YouTube and they're pretty insane. And <laughs> one of, and and by the way, there it's just one day of a week. So, whatever footage you watch, just know that there's a hundred more hours of it. Mm. But there's one moment where, um, Tom is auditioning for soda pop for my, the part that I got. And in that scene in soda Pop's big audition scene. He had to break down and weep. And Tom's doing it, but it's not because Tom's a fucking great actor. It's what we talked about. he, wasn't clearly wasn't, he's not crying, not cry. And he, he, Tom stops. I'm sorry. This is, I'm sorry. This, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't working for me. Um, can I maybe start? And I I remember watching it going, Holy fuck. It's not working for him. It's like, he's telling Francis Ford Coppola that he wants to start again. It's not working for him. Wow. By the way, for all we know, it was working perfectly fine for Francis Ford Coppola, right? And and it's it, it's not just a level of who wanted it more. It was it was like that's such a badass thing to do. That kind of like awareness and honesty and competitiveness. He's like, "Fuck, I'm not like this. Isn't going to be my tape
0: and confidence." You know, it's funny, uh, Rob. When I started asking you about acting you said, well, let's do it this way. What does it take to be a great actor? And you reframed it. And I was like, well, that's the answer. That's a showbiz answer. That's an acting answer. And that's an art answer. And I, I'm glad we're circling back to it because I wanted to compliment you on it. And it's what motherfucking T. Cruz was doing in that moment. You're controlling the hurricane. You know you're in the low pocket. It's not even an a... Yes, yeah. You're in the low pocket. It's right. now an expression.
1: Yes, it you, is now. You,
0: you are low status. You're supposed to be begging for the part. You, Rob, are supposed to be, who said this? Nobody. But you're supposed to answer the, the interviewer's questions. Who fucking said so? Your job is magic. And if mad, if to get your creativity flowing... I was going to make a dick reference. <laughs> let's let's keep it clean. To get your creativity flowing and to be prepared, you need to Shift the room to the left or the right. This is what stand ups do, and it's what auditions are, and it's what acting is. And when I hear you say acting is reacting, that's because you're looking for the X factor. You're looking for the juice. You're looking like a quarterback looking. I've never thrown a football in my life, but you're looking for that perfect moment to make the pass. And that moment only happens. You talked about centering yourself before going out. Dude. I did that before this podcast. You were walking in. I had a minute. Was I looking at my notes? I was just reminding myself that you and I are trapped or, or housed in a phenomenon called awareness, alive at the same time on a space rock hurling through infinity. We're alive at the same time. We're interested in the same stuff. We're going to talk. Hopefully, we're going to connect. People might enjoy it. Maybe people won't enjoy it, but can I be alive motherfucking right now with you yes. here and now? And that's what T. Cruz was doing. T. Cruz wasn't in his head going, oh shit, I'm not crying. T. Cruz was going, I know what magic smells like. Let's start it over, Francis. You go press a Pinot Noir and I'm going to cry the next time. <laughs> that's exactly, I couldn't put it better myself. You're you're exactly right. That's
1: exactly what it is, being in the moment is the answer to all of life's questions, not I just
0: acting. Not just acting. Well, that's what my great teacher, Byron Katie, says, if you want a problem, get a future. So in that moment, Tom Cruise, what we're supposed to do, and, and I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it up to T. Cruise, I just like that story, but it's about what we've been talking about as well. It's like if he got stuck in the story of the future, if he started watching the movie of the future, instead of being in that moment, would he have had the druthers to go, hold on, let's stop. And to be authentic. to not, yeah. You say people hate fake shit. Valentine's Day, more bottles of wine are sent back than the rest of the year combined. And that's because people are being fake and they're trying to impress their dates. And if I wanted as a writer to write a douchebag part for you, Rob, I would have you send a bottle of wine back without even really knowing anything about wine because that's fake. But when we're in the now We can access the real. And when we're real, it doesn't matter if you're sending a bottle of wine back or you're telling one of the world's greatest directors that you need another go because people know reality when they smell it. Do you agree Rolo? Rolo
1: agrees 1 billion trillion percent. (laughs) Authenticity is the, uh, it's a daily quest for me. Mm. Um, uh, it, it truly is. Is T. Cruz? He's T. Cruz is our spirit animal in this. Let's just he lean can, into we it. We can't
0: beat T. Cruz. Uh, no, on. you can't.
1: I mean, my my quest for daily authenticity is an up at dawn, pride swallowing siege that oh, I will never fully tell you about. Uh, I am cloaked in failure. I am
0: cloaked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> best, 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 best one of the best movies ever.
0: One of the best movies ever. Jerry
1: Maguire, people. Jerry Maguire. Best movie ever.
0: I completely agree. And that whole thing, a pride-swallowing siege, I don't Ah. care what your ambition is. If it's not a pride-swallowing siege... You're not doing it right. That's, that's right. That was the point of my, I made this TV show called Crashing about becoming a stand-up. And I was like, if it sucks, that's not how you know you're doing it right. You are now part of a lineage that eats the same shit that everybody ate, that Rob Lowe ate, that Tom Cruise ate, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's impossible to believe he was humiliated. He went in his car. It was too small for him. His shirt was too small for him. And his tears were so big and robust. And he was sad and he was broken. And then he gets to tell a, a mater D, I'll be back. I'll That's be back. later. But I'm sure he swallowed his pride. And it was. Everybody, a-
1: everybody's had to have a pride swallowing siege. Just, again, <laughs> not just in life, not just in Jerry Maguire, but in life.
0: In the seasons of your career, have you had unexpected pride swallowing sieges? I know it's at the beginning you have a pride swallowing siege, but you said oh. in the middle of my movie career, did you go, oh shit, I'm done. It's over.
1: I mean, I've had, there's always, I mean, there's, there's movies that don't work. There's TV shows that don't work. Um, I've come to realize that if you're lucky, you get things that, that don't work. Cause that means that you've been around like anybody can bat a thousand if they've only been at bat five times. Right. Right. So, um, you know, all of, I don't know anyone of substance or of longevity who hasn't gone through um, periods where, you know, of fallow periods, whether it's sort of, Perception-wise, in the in the zeitgeist and culture, or whether it's actually the work, right. and sometimes both, or 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 just a simple way to put it is everyone has their time in the barrel, unless you're not in the barrel to begin with.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. The the the, the ups and downs. You made me think of something, and it was good, and it just went away. Who cares? Who cares, Rob? <laughs> Yes, there's more. Just there's more, just there's more where here. this came from. Let's be. Let's just be right here. It, it was interesting what you said, and, and if I listen to this later, maybe when I'm an old man and I want to r- remember what it was like to talk to Rob Lowe, I'll be like, oh, I know what I was going to say.
1: Oh, I know and it. It would have changed the course of my career. <laughs> had I only, had I only asked him that, that next late night desk would have been mine. <laughs>
0: I could have had it. Will you tell me only because I'm interested, meaning it's not just a stock question? Will you tell me a little bit about sobriety? I haven't oh, had no. a drink in three years and it's been a, a really impactful thing for me.
1: Wow. Yeah. Congrats. I,
0: yeah, I'm really lucky that I stopped. Uh, one, I'm also really lucky that I stopped r- like a week before my wedding. So even, and I haven't really been tempted, but dude, even. By the way, I,
1: that's a hell of a time to stop. Holy dude. fuck.
0: And Jesus. the wed- the wedding planner didn't know I had stopped. I used to drink sake. So she had all of my favorites, and she kept giving it to me, and I kept just putting it oh, down. Oh, what? It was brutal. It was brutal. That's some high-intensity time to stop. It, w- it was. my. I thought I was a stud because I stopped a month before the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, I – People get a lot of meaning out of it. The reason I want to talk about it is because people get inspired. And I'm happy to say I get little messages almost every day. Uh, I read a book called This Naked Mind. I actually listened to it. It sort of exposes alcohol in a very interesting way. And that really it motivated me to, to stop. Um, so what is your story? I, I touched on your dad introduced you to alcohol. Is, is that accurate? That's just something I read online.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, my, well, my first memory of any alcohol was, um, being curious about what my dad was drinking and, um, him giving me a drink of his Stroh's would back in the time we had local beers, Stroh's, um, Stroh's very, very Dayton, Ohio, Stroh's beer. Um, and, and he, so he gave it to me. And I had to, I would have been five because my mom and dad divorced and he would have been out of the house. He was in the house, which I know, so I know the, chron- chron- the time frame is right. But I remember instead of like like sniffing it or sipping it or whatever, I was like go 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 from the very first time it ever entered my lips. I think that probably says wow. more about my personality. Like a sort of gung ho, all in type of guy than it than it than any sort of harbinger of future alcoholism. But that that said, the very first time I did it, I and then of course vomited because
0: I was a five year old, right. And um, what 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 did what did it mean that he was offering it to you? That's a leading question, but I'm going to be bald about it. I'm going to be John Wayne about it. Did it was it a loaded thing. Like dad is offering this to me. Like this is his love. This is him accepting me or was it just.
1: For sure. It's, it, you know, and the question is really how much of that is conscious or unconscious. Right. So, you know, there's a ton of there's for sure. That's part of it. I want, I'm curious what dad's doing. I want to emulate dad. I see him with this thing. What is it? Smells weird. What it? so there's that. And then on his end, it's like that era of, uh, this will make you a man. This will toughen you up. This will get your feet wet. Is five too young? I'm thinking it is, but <laughs> but, I, but it's also like, you know, it, it like today we would say, I mean, there, there's no one today, even in that sort of socioeconomic um, world, even today, you don't have to be a, a cultural sophisticate or veteran of therapy to know that you probably don't do that with a five-year-old today. Yeah, but, then, yeah. but then then, I, then I, 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 I give them kind of a pass on it. I really do in those days. People just
0: weren't paying any attention. It sounds like, and I want to compliment you on this, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like there's some forgiveness there. Oh, yeah, I, I don't,
1: I don't. Um, by the way, one of the things I've also learned along the way is you can't. You have to be in a place of forgiveness of of your parents. Um, every and and I know now as a parent myself, no matter how good your intentions are, you're gonna fuck them up some way. Mm. You just, I, you just don't make it through it without it. And I think and I've come to come around to think that that's by design. That's by grand design because oh, yes, it it I think we fuck them up in ways unconsciously. So. Or, so they can react in a way to become the kind of person they were meant to be. Rob, otherwise, otherwise, loving, diligent, present parents wouldn't fuck their kids up at all on any level, and yet they do.
0: Rob, you are in some deep mystic waters, and I'm loving it. That is one of the great secrets of the universe. It's in the Tao. Uh, what is a bad man but a good man's job? what is a good man but a bad man's teacher, this is the great secret. It basically says, know that and be free. What I'm saying is, to quote my homeboy Richard Rohr, he's a Franciscan teacher, you don't come to God or truth or the universe or flow. You don't come to God by doing it wrong, right. You come to God by doing it wrong. And he says the exact same thing, that he's like, if your parents fucked you up, he, he, he doesn't use those words, because if your parents fucked you up, be grateful Because everyone's fucked up somehow, and at least you know what they did. (laughs) Because you have to be fucked. You have to be wounded. This is Freud. This is Jung. This is just how the human spirit works. It's going to happen. I'm not Catholic, but it's why we start giving children uh, communion at 7 in the Catholic Church, it usually happens around the age that here you are losing your innocence. You were five, a little ahead of schedule, but something has to break. But don't we see seeds are breaking to become plants? Things die yes. to become the earth. Everything is a f- ebb and a flow, and a, you've got me on a roll here, and I didn't mean That's to good. take the mic. I'm you just said. saying you're so right, and I'm, I'm glad that you found that forgiveness because it's for you, isn't it? Isn't that forgiveness For your, who else's internal world can you affect? It's just for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm one of the great, I'm a big fan of those. I I don't find them corny, but people, people do uh, corny, uh, uh, you know, slogans and sayings that you come across in recovery. And, you know, one of the great ones is, 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 is being bitter or angry is like drinking poison and hoping the other person
0: dies. That's right. I love that one. I love that one. It's a great one. one. And I, I just recently had a breakthrough where I realized I was holding on to all of these stories. You said it so beautifully. I really want you to feel this. I, I hope I can make you feel some love today. Is that you don't know what was going through your dad's mind. Exactly. That, that is a conscious motherfucker. And you can put no. that on your business card. Because yes. you don't. you don't know, Rob. You could guess.
1: But do you know? Peter, are you telling me that all my years and thousands of dollars
0: of therapy are actually working a little bit? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? I hope so is this i it, you have a good therapist by my you know judgment if this is the sort of stuff they're leading you to i mean was there a time when you were embittered to your dad
1: no no i I go the other the other way i'm I'm the um one who uh is um needs to work on um like i'm like the people please i'm the people pleaser uh the one who's like no no it's okay it's okay like i i i'm the guy that needs to work on boundaries like i know you know that's sort of my it's the midwestern upbringing of mine What's it's it's to let me entertain you it's let me put on my fucking tap shoes right but But Say bye bye birdie
0: did therapy, like it did for me, help you uncover what you were dancing so people wouldn't oh, see? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, I'm, and I love it.
1: I, I actually, I, I, I am a big believer in, um, in therapy. It's like we don't think twice about taking our car in to get the engine tuned or checked up. We don't think twice about it. There's no stigma around it. You don't worry if. You should spend the money on it. You don't worry about right. what people are gonna think. And and yet we don't do that with our souls and our minds and our 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 hearts and emotions. And you know, it's to me it's the same thing. I literally go in and just get tuned up.
0: That's so funny. Imagine if my dad thought because I brought my car into the mechanic that I might be gay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That that, my good friend, is a
0: fucking awesome joke. <laughs> You'll be the judge. That's of that. a great joke. <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't say I have a good joke for you before I said it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, when, tell take me up to the sobriety. We have the intro, but when did you get clear, and and how did you do it? People, I know people will be inspired.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, you know, I. It, it just stopped working for me. You know, you're always chasing that perfect mix, that perfect fun, and it just gets less fun. And, you know, maybe there's uh, um, what's the word baggage and things that don't go your way. And you kind of trace it back to, you know, but, and, and so I, I was sort of fantasizing about what it would mean to not to, to be sober. Cause I, I'd, I'd run into a couple people who um, got sober. And I was like, oh, they can do it. Oh, whoa. <laughs> um, And then I, um, as fate would have it, was seated next to a, a woman who was an interventionist. I didn't know what that was. That's someone who gets someone sober, sets them up with a program, you know, literally comes and rescues them, plucks them out of their lives and sends them on the path.
0: Uh, by whose and choice? Like maybe a parent would do that or you do it to yourself. Was what, how I got seated next to them. No, no, no. I, if you were going to employ an interventionist, do you say, "Hey, please kidnap me," or someone else says, "Hey, would you please?" Oh, grab if, me? no. If you have the awareness to hire an
1: interventionist, you don't need an interventionist. You just check into treatment, or you go, or you go to an, a a meeting. Um, no, interventionists are are you know business, family, loved ones. You know, people gather. You know, so it's what it sounds um, like.
0: I feel silly if, for asking, but
1: I yeah. No, to no, part. no. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, And uh, so I kept her card in my wallet for over a year while I continued to, you know, live the way I'd been living. And then one day I woke up and uh, I think the inciting incident had been that my, uh, my grandfather, who I was very close with, had been taken to the hospital. And my mother was calling me to tell me and I was in, you know, I'd been partying or whatever and I didn't pick the phone up. I was listening to her talk on the answering machine. And felt that kind of like guilt about it and and knew that that wasn't um, the kind of person that I wanted to be. And it was like a bad movie, like a really cliched, it was like an after school special. And I should know because I did a lot of them. (laughs) I walked in, I looked at myself in the mirror and was like, okay, it's over. And the next morning, I called, went to the wallet, took out the card I'd been carrying for a year, called the interventionist. And uh, within 48 hours, I was off to. Uh, rehab at Sierra Tucson, which I loved. Incidentally, I wow. loved being wow. rehab. Loved it. Wow. It was Why? great. Why? Because I was given life lessons that no one else had ever taught me.
0: Hmm.
1: I, I was, um, I was, I was shown that, um, that that there were reasons beyond myself for the behaviors. And why I was the way I was, and a roadmap to to being a, a different person and growing. And it was like um, I've always I've always loved school. I was always the pleasure to have in class. That was always <laughs> I, I I mean I got good grades, but what I always got was pleasure to have in class.
0: That's the name of the movie. I will write you for free I, on spec. Here you go. Pleasure to have in class. <laughs> so I, I, thank you. I,
1: I like that. That maybe if if I do another book, I'm stealing that title from yeah, you, no, you stole should. it from me.
0: No, you should. That's a great title. That's all I'm flagging. You should. Yeah, definitely good. not Note that is a great title.
1: I'm good. Thank you. That's really. Yeah. That's a yeah. good one.
0: Yeah. See, um, you do get something. You don't get yeah, any. Where's uh, my
1: pen? You put. A, I had a pen. So i writing it down. <laughs> I've taken. I've taken more notes in this podcast. I feel like I am in class. <laughs> Pleasure. Uh, to have in class i'll be so touched
0: question mark if i see that at the airport i'll be so touched and not just because that means the pandemic is over that is so cool um so you were saying you wanted lessons and you wanted to change and you wanted to grow and i i think you're like me i sort of i like advice i like being taught i was just gonna Some... say i like i like direction i yeah. take direction for a living yeah. like i want to say I
1: I know what it is. I'm an actor. I take direction for a living. Give yeah. me direction, and if I if I want to,
0: I'm going to follow it. How are you with a read? We're doing. Uh, you're in Secret Life of Pets three, and I'm the writer. And I really want to go on the on the little intercom and say, Rob, can you say it like this? What? Will you yeah. do it?
1: It's so funny. <laughs> the worst times I've had <laughs> in my career have been as vo- as a voice actor. Really. When they hit me with, when they hit me with, with uh, how about just one with a little more like, oh. You know, like, oh boy,
0: <laughs> That's so funny. What were some of those lessons that you learned in rehab that sort of helped the transformation that you didn't get growing up? Oh, boy. Rob, put I mean, on socks for fuck's sake. Put, <laughs> you're wearing a dress shoe. You're,
1: exactly. babe. For God's sakes, man, bathe.
0: I don't know how to say this. When's the last time you used Crest? Have you seen yes, Crest? Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've been a spokesman. Um, have you? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think I might have actually for one second for some charity they were doing. Um it was it was little, I mean, honestly, it was little things like like I went in to, you know, it's like you go you go um it's all the little uh the, the the phrases that you just now take that i just take for granted never compare your insides to someone else's outsides
0: ooh i'm glad that's i a, asked that's a great one i've never heard really, that oh really oh god no, i feel like i say
1: good. it all the time and i feel like some people the, no, yeah it's what that one made a big difference to me because at that time and my particularly i was you know at a time in my life where all I had worked on was my career. yeah, And I would compare my insides to someone else's outsides. I'd be like, oh, that guy's starring in this movie or that guy's got this and I don't know. And I I don't know what's going on in their life. And one of the things I think about today a lot is if I ever get get envious or am taking stock of somebody else's career, which I really don't anymore. I mean, I just feel like my thing is so my thing that there's no one that I really, and compare myself to Sure. that, but if I were to, I go, okay, yeah, they're killing it. Do I want their life? And that's always when I go, I love my life. I wouldn't trade it with anybody.
0: Yeah. I love that. Don't compare your insides to somebody that Someone goes, else. that is profound wisdom. I'm so glad that you didn't, Go with the voice that said that that is obvious. I've this is episode four something, four hundred something. Never heard that. That is really yeah, that's gold for me. How way you've done? I'm
1: so impressed. You just <laughs> humor me as a as a podcast newbie? creator, newbie. You've done how many? I don't know, Katie. Are you listening?
0: Are you there, Katie? Yeah, we've done over five hundred. Let me look. Oh, five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, hold on. Hold yeah, five twenty. We've done five twenty. Five twenty. Wow, we keep missing the milestones to celebrate them. Hold. Look at my face. I know. um That is my. I tip my
1: toupee, sir, to you. <laughs> my John um, Wayne is off for you. My John. My John Wayne. My male Merkin. My male head Merkin is off. That is. You are funny.
0: I was like when he. I was like, when he's done, I'm gonna say I have John Wayne's Merkin, and you beat me to it. <laughs> By the way,
1: anytime I can use the word Merkin, yes. I'm I'm ahead. I, it's a good day.
0: Well, why don't you tell us what the name of your podcast is? This is this is not now a baked in reference. it, learn, it is called um, my podcast called Working for Your Merkin. <laughs> you, learn everything you need to know. Merkin overtime, <laughs> Merkin overtime. Yeah, hardly yeah. Merkin. Hard- Merkin harder, hardly Merkin. <laughs> yeah. that's my that's my
1: podcast. Um, it is called Literally with Rob Lowe, and right. um, you can get it wherever you get, wherever you're finding this podcast. You can find yeah. me, and I've had such a I, I it, much like. Um, when I started writing books, and then when I started doing the Woman Show, this felt like the next iteration of what can I do that only I can do? Yeah, like like uh, that's why I'm doing. It's like anybody can star in a TV show if they're an actor. Or anybody to like what? I realized my thing is connecting with people, telling stories, um, riffing, and like there are only so many places you can do that,
0: and. And for as long as you want, as you're seeing, you went long with Joe. We've been almost two hours here. It's, it's ultimate freedom. I I think if you're not already loving it, you will love it. Um, And I'm glad you're doing it. Um, It's been really fun. Speaking of uh, not going too long and taking too much of your time. We always talk about the meaning of life. I don't know if you knew that about this show. Um, We've sort of been talking about it this whole time. We've been talking about the power of presence We've been talking about truth. We've been talking about authenticity. We've been talking about following your bliss, listening to your inner voice, having a vision. These are all spiritual. Whether or not we call them spiritual, they're spiritual ideas. So you, Rob, are off the hook, but I still want to ask, meaning you're off the hook, but please tell me, do you have a higher power? Um, Were you raised religious? Um, And is there a mantra or something you carry around? I don't mean in Sanskrit. I mean something that you carry around to help you make sense of the universe. Answer any or all of those questions.
1: So I, I was raised, um, my, both of my parents did not go to church. I was raised in a world where, although it was never explicitly said, the sense was religious people were somehow not as smart.
0: (laughs) Thank you for your candor. That is like one of the great unspoken biases, especially in TV and film. I went to a Christian college, sorry, Mm. but they would go off on like, if there's a religious character, they are the rube, they are the murderer, they are going to, you still see it in movies like uh, The Mist. Stephen King must hate religious people, which is fine. The Mist, you see it in Misery. If you're religious, you're an idiot and you're dangerous. Totally yep. agree. Please keep going. Yeah, yeah. So
1: in my family, it wasn't the the. It was much more um, probably da- insidious and dangerous because there was none of the scary, dangerous, murder part of it. It was just the more they're they're they're. God bless them. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It was like it was like. They're not worldly. They're not evolved. There was that kind of unspoken bias, I think. Oh, interesting. That I, picked, interesting. That, I, that I picked up on, you know what I mean? Mm. So, And also, I think it's my parents, as we all do. We all rebel against our parents. So my parents were rebelling against their parents who went to church. Right. They weren't, like, uber-religious either, but they went to church. Right. Um, of course. And um, so I kind of picked up on that, and then through um getting sober you know there there's you can't get sober without a belief in something greater than you and um you know the notion that you're the center of your own world is is the that's the fertile ground for a lot of bad shit
0: well that isn't that the core negative belief of a lot of addictive behaviors i'm speaking for myself is i am alone you want to yes. you want a drink you want a pill you want some weed whatever it might be is because if you're the whole universe why not make the only thing that matters to you feel as good as it possibly can and fuck everything else so that yeah. that loss of connectivity for me would lead to destructive behavior and it still it still can with whatever i might be addicted to now whether it's food or television or whatever it's usually coming down to Shit, I didn't connect. I didn't make the effort to T-cruise it, take off the cloak of failure, and fucking connect with Rob Lowe today. I mean, you and I talking makes me less likely to eat an entire pizza. It's completely true. It's scientifically proven that the same parts of my brain are lighting up that would light up from sugar. It's crazy. No, it and that
1: 100, 100, 100%. percent and. So through recovery, I, I came in a relationship with a higher power. And, you know, because of my upbringing was very like I could like if, there's no way I was like hitting my knees and praying to God like that was not going to happen. And I'm not even sure I believed in in God. And but a little part of me always kind of admired people in movies and TV who were people of faith. Like, I admired, like, in the, they would go into battle with their faith Uh, in the movies. To kill a Yeah. And I was like, I was like, that's cool. I think that's cool. And so eventually I got to the point where I became more comfortable with that. And, um, you know, and and also I was, I'm a big proponent of fake it till you make it. So (laughs) they told me, they told me it was important to have some kind of prayerful meditation. I felt like a fraud. I felt like a failure. I felt like it was a, a big joke. I hope nobody would walk in and see me doing it. And I faked it until I made it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's your other book title, Faked It Till I Maked It. I faked it till I made it. Although that, without the delivery, it just looks like faked it till I made it. Shit. God damn it. Only
1: the so audio book. And so that, so, you know, and now today that's integrate, it's very much an integrated part of my, uh, part of my life. Um, you know, and I, and I think that is really, you know, a, a key, but I also um, feel like it's not, you know, it's not, um, people can, people can assimilate that into their lives any, any way they can, but to not have some sort of spiritual, whether it's,
0: praying to the trees or I was just going to say, isn't that well, it doesn't matter day? to me? The ocean is is a power greater than you. And frankly, yeah. when I stand in front of the ocean, I go, Oh, that's the whole thing. You and I are like waves on the ocean. We, we have an illusion of separateness, but really we come from the whole and we're pulled back into the whole, it's the whole story. It's the whole Bible. It's the whole, every, every holy book you can get from looking at the ocean. So if you are in recovery or not, I highly recommend praying to trees or praying to the ocean or praying to the reality that we alluded to earlier, that we're floating in infinity. How about that? Here's a good one.
1: Here's a good one. Like, and also a belief in things that we can't see. So if, if you had never seen the ocean and I brought you a, a thimble full of seawater and I said, and how about this? there's a thing that like this, but it's huge and it's everywhere and it's 90% of the world or whatever. You'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah. I know it? no, it's not. It's right here. Yeah, so yeah. just the notion of being able to, to, to at least um, it, uh, it, it, it engage in a conversation about things that are not appreciably provable. I mean, I'm good friends with Ricky Gervais Ricky Gervais one of the great atheists and um and Bill Maher, another one and um Ricky Gervais atheist Ricky Gervais <laughs> and, and he's and I find in one of the movies that I did that I love is called uh The Invention of Lying. It's and a it's, great movie you're great in it. Thanks. And it's 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 not a perfect movie but when it's good it's absolutely breathtakingly
0: brilliant. When he weeps with his mom I talk about feeling it. I'm like holy shit that to me was, I already knew Ricky was an incredible actor. But when I watched that, I was like, this is next level. This is, and it's got so much humanity and so much love of connection that he's been a dream guest of mine because I'm like, I think we might believe in very similar things with very different language, but I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: Oh, he's a big atheist. I You get him going, it'd be great to see, to yeah. hear him. But um, yeah. anyway, um, I don't know. This is. Great. I've learned a lot from you. I'm going to institute some of your uh, some of your stuff on my 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 uh, little my little cast. This has been this has been great. I've learned from the master today. Oh
0: my goodness! Get out of here. I'm so glad. So you just one follow up was that you do have a specific meditation. You meditate oh. or you're mindful. You sort
1: of. I do. It. I, oh, here's the other thing is I also ha- I suffer from um, what I've coined IKEA complex. And IKEA complex is fear of not being able to follow the directions. <laughs> <laughs> it's called fjordendorg. It's yeah. fjordendorg. So <laughs> uh, I, or it's a, it's a, it's a sub species of perfectionism. Mm. And I can't wait.
0: I, I can't do it perfectly. So why try to do it? Thank you. Yeah. So
1: uh, that was a big thing for prayer, for prayer, mantra, prayers and mantras, are all the same thing to me. Right. So, so my thing was if I'm not doing it right, I'm not going to do it. And, and then it was like, I, I had this whole thing where I was feeling like a lot of guilt about the fact that I was praying in my jacuzzi. <laughs> so it was like, it was like, it's disrespectful, right? You're, to pray to Jacuzzi. Oh, when it's easy for you to do. Yes, when you And then I started thinking, hey, you know what? Fuck that. You know what it is. This is when I'm alone. This is when I'm most happy. This is when I am present with myself. And whoever is watching this, a if it really is like a mother or a father. I don't care when my kid calls me on the phone. Right. I don't care if my kid calls me when he's driving or if
0: he's at the beach. That's right. I just want him to call. That's right. That's a, that's a great line of Jesus who, what father, when their son asks for bread would give them a snake. And he says, how much more so with your, with your heavenly father, which is just one. If that's the only one you got, that's the only one you need. It's, It's just beautiful. And. See, I'm an Enneagram 3, which is the Achiever. And specifically for Achievers, and you definitely don't get me wrong, you have the Achiever as well. You just might lean 7. I don't know. I'm a 3 and then a 7. The point of meditation, specifically for people like us, is to do something that you can't succeed at. You can't win at meditation. So just like the program... And just like being broken to be reborn, being one of the fundamental building blocks of the universe, doing something because you can't win at it is how you grow spiritually. They, yep. they say the only way to pray badly is to stop praying. So if you pray well, you prayed well. If you pray badly, you prayed well. The only way to pray badly is to stop praying. So I think that's beautiful. I think you're beautiful. I hope you're feeling that. I hope you're feeling I do. So Thank well. you. Yeah, this has been yeah. this has
1: been so much So much fun, and again, where else am I going to get to, you know, access this kind of thing? Right, right, and have these kind of talks other than in the podcast world, which is why you are.
0: There was, I think, Emerson wrote Thoreau. Now we're really up our own ass, but Emerson was like, "I greet you at the beginning of a great career." That (laughs) when when people start podcasts, I'm like, "You have no idea." Everything they tell you about journaling. Everything they tell you about like the the value of, of having a record of your feelings and your thoughts, even if you never read it, but to get it out there, it, it changes how you perceive time, reality, and people really get a lot out of it. So so it is a mitzvah and it is a gift. So I'm glad that All you're right. doing it. And here's you can take this if you want. We always ask one question at the end, uh, and it's the same question for everybody. Can you think of a time in your life that you laughed? Really, 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 really hard. Maybe the hardest of your life.
1: Well, we just popped into... I'm a big believer of when things pop into your head to not no. edit it. You're right? T. And
0: Cruz like, saying, I need another go, man. You
1: are in yeah. the moment. You're yeah. The top. yeah, I'm in the... I If I have an instinct... If you have an... But again, on, on acting, if you have an instinct, follow it. Yes. However insane. However it. insane. Need it. So, um... It's, I think it probably was the opening credits of Borat. Oh my when God. When that, when that crazy <laughs> music started. Yes. Yes. I was like, oh my God, this is heaven. Right. I think, I think. I think we it get might Borat be that.
0: so much. You know who gave me Borat? Who said Borat was the hardest laugh? Larry Charles, the director right. of Borat. Even he hadn't laughed harder then the naked wrestling scene, so it is a wonderful answer. And one of the things I love about it was I share in it. I also died. That was one of those movies that just shaped a whole. whole Did you shrink
1: this gypsy? (laughs) Beyond belief. It's the it's the greatest. It's the greatest.
0: Go, go right. live All that right. life that you love so much. I hope I didn't take too much of your chi. <laughs> no,
1: my chi. I'm going to go regenerate my chi in my jacuzzi. Thanks, Pete. You were great. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it.
0: Yeah. Would you say the catchphrase? It's how we end. The guest says, keep it crispy. And that's just how we sign off.
1: Ooh, by the way, do you know that I use it at golf? Keep it, when it crispy? I a, when I hit a golf shot, I go, mm, crispy. That's a golf thing. Did you know that now? No. Yes. Never got that crispy like if you hit it if it's crispy it's like a good yeah so i i I keep it crispy i'm definitely i'm rob low keep it crispy (laughs) (laughs) thank you rob pleasure to meet you all right brother thanks man thank you bye-bye